the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Streaming now on smart speakers and radio.com. AM 1100 KFAX. Portions of our programming may be pre recorded. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. Yeah, they've got me behind that curtain once again. Just keep Toto away from us and we'll be just fine. Thank you very much. Hi there and welcome. It is Lifeline, but it is, uh, I, I'm just a moderator tonight. I just kind of push the buttons and make things happen because every fourth Friday here on Lifeline, we hand the reins over to uh, Pastor Phil Howard, Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. And it is the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline, and that is what we're all about on this Friday night. Glad you've joined us. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. Actually, because Pastor Phil is Pastor Emeritus, the actual new pastor, Pastor Paul Crandall, is here with us tonight as well. So we've got the old and the new and they're, they're going to draw swords, and they're going <laughs> to duke it out here tonight on Lifeline. So, ding, 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 in this corner. <laughs> we're round, one soul. We're, we're one soul. Round one. This is an eight-round sparring match. And, uh, so, anyway, uh, Phil, good to have you with us tonight. And, Paul, you too. It, it, uh, the show is yours. I'll just step in when it's time to pay the bills and keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. Well, we were <clears throat> talking about... Uh, the broadcast, and thinking about the theme of unity uh, in the Bible, we don't like to talk too much about unity after one of the most tumultuous elections uh, in our history, and people still hoping the other side makes a major plunder Mm. so we can, uh, you know, harass them. Mm. But let me read something. This is where Jesus prayed within 24 hours of the cross. My prayer is not for them alone, his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. You you could have said that all of them will be of the right political party, but there were no Republicans and no Democrats at this time, just a dominating Roman Empire that persecuted the church. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, make them one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And he goes on to talk about the unity that God has put on display through the church, through those who have believed in Christ And I want to say through all this crisis that we've lived through, I don't care if it's racial, political, uh, the feminist movement, uh, whatever the orientation of your life is, 
we have found that when you come into Christ, Jesus Christ, he says that I am going to make of two people, and that was Jewish and Gentile. There's no other. Just two peoples on the earth in God's mind. Then he said, I'm going to form a third group, the church of God. And when you come through the door, Jesus Christ, now you're introduced to unity. Your family might have been um, violent. They may have been abusive. There may have been all kinds of addictions. But you're coming into a divine family that's existed from eternity, made of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And there's no fighting in this triterium. Trinitarian family. Mm. Uh, there's unity. There's oneness. And so the church of God, true believers, are to maintain uh, that unity and to manifest it to a needy world. Mm. I, I was a little bit sick, and I've been watching a lot of black history uh, presentations uh, in February, uh, Black History Month. And as I was watching the history of the black church, my heart was made sad to this extent that it eventually it became nothing but a political movement and nothing but styles of music while they lost the message of the gospel. That it, it didn't matter. All that mattered was a political agenda of whatever sort. Mm. And they had plenty to uh, stand up and even protest for because of the maltreatment of those dear people. But I tell you, in the church of Jesus Christ, it is not a segregated meeting. Amen. It is not a segregated kind of meeting. Amen. And I, I, I take the homosexual community. You know what? We will love you. We will treat you right. We will give you the gospel. We just won't say the Bible teaches your lifestyle. Mm. And it didn't teach the lifestyle I lived, Amen. except that it said, I live like a child of wrath. Mm. And so welcome to the club. Mm. I, I'm just as much a hellion as you. And I would do more if God hadn't saved me. Wow. And so what, can we be friendly to sinners? Well, I got to be friendly to myself. Amen. I'm one of them. <laughs> and so we are not exclusive, but our gospel is, and this Trinitarian family is, you don't get to run the family once you come to Christ. There's only one boss for this family, and it's Christ. Mm -hmm. And Paul and I want to uh, discuss unity and what family life is being in the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, I thank God I've been at Valley Bible for 48 years. And I, I remember when the first person came that was a different color than me. And they're still here. They've been here over 40 years. And more and more joined them. Because you see, we think God gets to pick the color he paints in. He's the artist. We're just the pieces that he's worked with. And I, God forbid that we still stay in this childish stuff of loving one group, hating another. According to 1 John 4, you don't know God if you hate. Wow. You don't know God if you hate. God is love. 
and those who know him will love those who have been begotten of him. Wow. No mm. compromise there. Mm. So uh, we're ready to talk about it. Wow. You know, Phil, you that John 17 passage, what stood out to me and what we talked about, I think, at your house yesterday was just the dynamic that it is a supernatural thing. Jesus is asking the Father, you make them one. Not, Father, hey, I'm going to command them to be one. Mm. Like, Father, I'm going to, t- I know you've given me these instructions, but we need a supernatural work, Father, that you would bind them together. Yes. And then, of course, then we just joked, you know, before the broadcast of, and then he gives them this comparison, and be one as we're one. And you touched on it that, okay, so here's what your oneness should look like. It's not just, you know, I'm not going to use the New England Patriots or, you know, I guess, what was it, the uh, 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 Florida to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look at their unity. No, he says, I'm gonna, I, you need Trinitarian unity. You need Godhead unity. You need Father, Son, Holy Spirit unity. Yes. Who doesn't buckle under that burden? Here, I want you to be so like-minded that you in eternity, you know, that you would conceive of plans and immediately the other would be in agreement. There would be no – I mean, ha, did the father persuade the son? Like, you know, it was – did he come up with his bullet points and there were counter arguments? And No, it was – there's such a – but, of course, under that burden, it must be a supernatural unity. And I would say under your leadership at Valley Bible Church, God has answered that prayer of Christ for the church at, at – for his church at Valley Bible Church, that he has made us – one that we, you know, you've said before that, you know, our our diversity that we celebrate hasn't been necessarily intentional. Like we were looking to do this, we were just looking to preach the gospel. The gospel and the gospel created unity. The gospel and the gospel it. created diversity and a mosaic of the grace of God. That every tile, as you said, nobody gets to choose. You know what color God paints in, and He creates this beautiful you know, uh, a canvas of so many colors that he's done. A supernatural, it needs to be supernatural. Man-made unity does not accomplish uh, the things of God. Well, you were mentioning Genesis 11, that men came together to build their little temple towards the heavens. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, we've been speaking in other languages. Yeah. Yeah. Thank th- th- thank you for human solidarity. <laughs> hey, we all got together. We built a tower. And what happened? You know, and then it, br- it broke us. That's and man- then there was fr- a fraction. Man-made unity, not God-made. I mean, yeah, yeah. John 17, you've got the pattern for unity. Mm. you got the purpose for unity. Yeah. That, that the world would oh, know that and that's Jesus. The, that's and, the and, compelling part, that yeah. they will, your unity will be so inspiring that they'll be they'll be so persuaded that I must understand like uh, Chuck was mentioning this uh, one of our elders of we are the testament to what unity looks like yeah you want to know what racial unity looks like you want to know what 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 uh, gender kind of unity or, or appreciation there's no ontological difference right that's of the same value you want to know how women should be treated men should be treated children husbands all everything right Go to the church, and yeah. the church will show you that display. There is there. What we are talking about tonight here on Lifeline, and we're going to go to a break here in just a second, but what we are mm. talking about here tonight on Lifeline transcends DNA mm. and transcends melanin. Mm. Amen. Bear that in mind as you continue to join us here on Lifeline tonight. And if you've got a question for either one of these guys, um, give us a call. We won't hang up. 
At least not right away, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and just give the hard ones to Phil. Yeah, I'll exactly. take the easy yeah, questions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X is that phone number. 888-367-5329. If you'd like to uh, get on board and join us here tonight on the Truth For Today Lifeline edition. We've got to take a quick time out, check some traffic, pay some bills, and we shall return in just a moment. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center now for a look at your commute. And now, back to Lifeline. Here we are back. Again, that phone number is 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 888-367-5329. This is the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. Fourth Friday of the month, Pastor Phil Howard. We're joined by guest Paul Crandall, who is the current pastor of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. And Truth For Today, just FYI, you know, a great way to start the day. I mean, it's just a brilliant way to start your day. Monday through Friday, 5.30 in the morning. Sundays at 8.30 as well. And if you would like more information about Truth For Today, truthfortodayradio.org is always a wonderful place to start. Mm -hmm. With that, Pastor Phil, we are back once again talking about unity and how this unity transcends everything that you and I know to be uh, just wrong in the world we live in these days, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. It it does transcend it. And I I think sometimes what people... um, Well, we'll say, well, you church folks seem to have plenty of disagreements. Mm. Uh, you church folks seem to not, uh, you don't even agree on politics, and you may not, be, There's we're all over the board. I, I want to uh, read a passage that's so interesting. Paul said in Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God Mm. in true righteousness and holiness. Let me say, being a pastor, the challenge... um, Anybody, not not just anybody, but let's say it's rather natural to be able to get a baby. Mm. Now, you may have infertility issues, but let's say natural, man and woman come together, a baby. But the challenge is when you have the baby, do you put it on a, a porch and, and then leave it? Because we cannot be have our life interrupted by this baby that cries for milk and needs a diaper change. Uh, and I saw this when I first started Valley. Uh, young believers that um, they needed the bottle. They needed the word. Uh, they need to be trained. But watch, what did they bring to the new life? Well, they had been very immoral. They'd been a part of the drug culture. Uh, They were so crazy, they even liked Bob Dylan. Uh, (laughs) You know, and I grew up on rockabilly, not people singing through their nose. Uh, (laughs) You know, the different, these backgrounds. And one day, I was leaving a prayer meeting with a World War II vet. And I was with another guy who said if we had an American flag in the building, he would have left. 
Okay. Wow. How now how could you get any unity there? And this World War Two guy that could knock you through the wall, he's built like a linebacker. He he was no one to mess with. He said, It's only Jesus Christ that can let me pray with a boy that would burn the flag in the sixties. Yeah. Wow. He said Christ has overcome that. Mm. And so we all bring to the new Christian life our way of thinking, the way our parents acted, cultural attitudes. We all bring Adam's eyes. We all have got a warped uh, sin nature. So it's getting in the presence of a triune God and letting his word speak that can change our attitudes, change our attitudes. Mm. I mean, how could you have a Christian marriage and the only philosophy you grew up on was Hugh Hefner and Playboy? Mm. You don't know how to treat a woman. Right. Mm. Oh, oh, you know, I'm all about sex. And you think she's so stupid, she doesn't know that. Yeah. She yeah. does know that. Yeah. And so... God starts shaping us. Mm. He is the most patient teacher in the world. Look at how he's had to change the attitudes in us men that we can discuss all kinds of issues and say our goal is to esteem the other and not depreciate your place in the body. Wow. So I literally have to submit to you, mm. even if I'm older, mm. even if I'm wiser, mm. I even have to submit for the sake of the unity of the body. Wow. So really wow. what we're talking about as we progress on our theme tonight, um, unity at, at the very foundation of it requires sacrifice, selflessness, Absolutely. the cross, mortification. Amen. Amen. Right? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. The, you know, the passage that came up that we, uh, as we were in Ephesians and talking, was Ephesians 2, 14 through 15. And I read that it says, for he himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So we, we, we stopped here. So you have this Jew-Gentile relation and you have this wall of hostility. I mean, this could you could expand this out to any um, racial tension, any sense of uh, this is my group, this is your group, this is my tribe, this is your tribe, any sense of hostility. But what, what struck me uh, and as Phil and I were talking at his house was, if you look at 15, how did he do this? How did he break down this wall of hostility? It says, in 15 says, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances. Now you have three words there clearly talking about Old Testament law. And it almost makes you think, wait, did the Old Testament law cause this? Did the Old Testament law cause hostility? Did the Old Testament law cause hatred? Did the Old Testament law bring forth this us-them culture war, you over there, me over here, I'm better than you? We know, you know in biblical theology that, no, it, the law doesn't, it was not evil, but our sin nature used the law. The doesn't law cause it, it exposes it. Exposes it and, and, and makes it worse. You know, it's like telling a child not to hit the red button. Well, yeah. What are they going to do? They <laughs> wanted that red button and the blue button and the, and the pink button and all the other buttons. And so you have this, the law was never meant to create animosity amongst tribes. Deuteronomy 4 says they were supposed to see the beauty of the commands of God and say, wow, what a wise people you are. And so now Christ has taken away the law and our bad use of the law and now brings us together with him. So he's destroyed the law of hostility, this, this perversion of the law that says, no, you over there and me over here. 
when we realize there is no there's no line of us them there is a line of god us right and we are in brokenness and in rebellion as phil said we have our patterns that we bring to the new life yeah it's the bad and they're the things that have to die not the things that qualify us. Well, they qualify us for grace. Yeah. Yes, you know, yes. they, we're as qualified as, a, as as somebody with cancer needing surgery or something yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah, you're qualified for this radical surgery to save your life. That's all that your life before Christ has done is qualify you for grace. Right. Yes. Which humbles you to, to look at a brother and say, hey, your brokenness looks different than mine, but it's still brokenness. You know, it's not a trophy I have. Mm. You just have a different wound. Yours is on your shoulder. Mine's on my mm. my knee. Yeah. But we yeah. both need a remedy. We both need a savior. So we can have solid, or we could have, what do you, community in our brokenness. It is interesting that most disunity is based upon the pride that oh, we yes. carry into this thing because I'm right and you're wrong. Yes. And, we, and we've been talking about this, and I think hour two, we can delve into this further. Mm. So far, the uni- unity you've been kind of working on is a unity that is politically based, mm. uh, culturally based. Mm. There's also a unity that is really hard to facilitate within the body of Christ that is doctrinal, mm. theological. Mm. Those are the those are the issues that I'm usually concerned about. How how can I how can I have unity with my brother when we disagree on so many theological points? Yeah. So file that into the back of our minds for now, and maybe mm. deal with that later on mm. in the program. Mm. It, it you know as they say, time flies when you're having fun, or as the frog said, time's fun when you're having flies. We got to do another break, so let's do another break. Let's do it, <laughs> and we'll come back. Mm. Continue the conversation with Pastor Phil Howard, Pastor Paul <laughs> Crandall. This is the Truth for Today edition of Lifeline eight 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 F O R K F A X. If you'd like to join the conversation, in the meantime, let's head off to the KFAX Traffic Center. We'll take another look at your commute. And now back to Lifeline. It is the Truth for Today edition of Lifeline. Andy Froyland. And Pastor Phil Howard, Pastor Paul Crandall with you this evening, 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X, that's 888-367-5329. The conversation has kind of taken uh, the direction of unity, just what it is, the the various aspects of unity, how we need to, as believers in Christ, pattern our lives in this manner. And especially in the current culture and the day and age we live in, it's imperative that you and I as believers in Christ understand what we have been called to. And not just what we've been called to, but, Pastor Phil, the foundation of it all, mm. which is love, isn't it? And the love of God. I, I think of... Uh, Back as the Earth's crust was hardening in the 50s, mm. uh, in 1958, okay, I, I'm wearing a leather jacket. I got a fist load uh, in there. I have a bar that I fight with. Uh, 14 Levi's, a punk. Uh, but I, I was under conviction because I thought we were going to world war. And I was afraid of dying. But it's an amazing thing at a Tuesday night prayer meeting. uh, We had a guest speaker invitation. I went there. I was like the the woman ready to have the baby. I I just thought I had to be at church. Mm. But uh, I I went forward and uh, uh, we had an altar, a little Pentecostal church over in South Richmond. And uh, I wept for probably an hour. I felt like the meanest, uh, worst person in Richmond. And I think it was amazing. He's a 14-year-old boy. Uh, 
I automatically, my father was handing me a handkerchief, wipe my tears. But when I got up, I, I often think about this. There was this is an old timey church, old older ladies, hair in buns, and uh, you know just holiness kind of people. But the punk, me, uh, I, I wouldn't let any anyone leave until I hugged them. Mm. Uh, I hugged women in their seventies uh, that looked old fashioned. I apologized to my mother by that next Thursday that I would be not giving her any more back talk and sassing her because I thought I was cool and tough. And how that, even as my wife and I now pray for our grandchildren and we pray for others, we ask, when was the love of God so gushed abroad in your heart mm. that joy was a giveaway and love? I, I and I'm a boy that grew up with racial slurs in South Richmond. I was called a lot of names as a white boy that I never heard my mother use, mm. and and believe me, I gave it back if I thought I could outrun them. You know, right. uh, you, you better be sure. I used to cuss this one boy and call him bad racial names. Never cuss his brother because he'd beat my booty. Mm. And so uh, I knew all that. And now uh, I've often as a man said, oh, if I could only go back and be with BB again and Bulldog that I ran with and, and apologize for all the racial names. Mm. See, no political party could make me love them. Mm. No political party could make me want to, as a grown man, want to see them and hug their neck. No law or executive order. No, no mm. executive order. I don't need Biden. I don't need Trump telling me that. Jesus met me at that altar. Wow. And I was sure enough born again. Mm. And I'm telling you, if you name the name of Christ, I don't care about all the trivia stuff. You will love people. Mm. I remember one Sunday morning, a dear black woman that I had never met before, she came up after the service, and she had tears running down her eyes, and she said, we never met. She came, and she said, I want to thank you for loving me this morning. Mm. And I said, and, and ma'am, how was that? She said, I felt your arms from the pulpit embrace me and tell me I had worth. Mm. And I said, you listen to me, lady. To tell somebody that it's made in the image of God for whom he would give his son to die. I am not a great man to esteem what God esteems. Mm. God gave up a son for you. I said, how could I undervalue you? How mm. could you be treated less? And it's been my goal ever since never to leave a person that I'm with uh, worse off, mm. but to be better off because I met them. Mm. Wow. Because of their value. You you mentioned that experience as a 14-year-old boy. And immediately the passage I think of is John 10, 16. It says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold probably speaking of Gentiles here to this Jewish audience, and I must bring them, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Until you heard Jesus call, unity wasn't something in your heart. I, I couldn't and spell I, it, didn't know what it was. And and the idea that, that you know, I think at times, and we talked about this, of in, in the despair we feel, 
that that Christians at times can lean on legislation to make things better. And we should have legislation. We should have great law. We should be about those things. But but think about it. In the Old Testament, they had some really great law. Their executive branch was pretty good. It was Yahweh. And he was giving some really great law. And yet that legislation never created new hearts. No. Never wrote it on their heart. Never made them love Gentiles. Never made them lo- never made them even love each other or or even, you know, love their children not to sacrifice them to Melech and to all they love was not in their heart. It wasn't the legislation that would do that. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in their heart to transform them. And it's not till Christ calls, you hear his voice. Then something new happens in you. Yeah, I get okay. So guys, I I, I can I can hear them. I, I can hear the listeners out there as they're trying to to mm-hmm. make their way home in the commute right now. Yeah, but you don't know my neighbor. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you don't know my boss. Yeah, but you don't know X. Put mm-hmm. put this person in here. How 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 am I supposed to love the unlovely? And I, I, I struggle with that. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? Oh, I think of the Ephesians four. Uh, you've been put into a new family uh, where the father would put his son on a cross wow. uh, because he loved you. And and please, uh, please don't buy the blasphemous suggestion that the father abused the son. Mm-hmm. They, they agreed with this plan. Be, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world in his mind. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, I'm for this. I want to do this. We're in this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when we, we come to the family of God, uh, we signed up for a course to learn to love like him. Wow, and uh, it's a lifetime course that by the time you graduate, you go to heaven mm-hmm. because he's working on us constantly to change. And so, you know what scares me? Being a pastor, I can do so many of the duties by rote mm-hmm. and by repetition. And God said, everything you did this week, that love was not the motive, is rubbish to me. Because what we record in heaven is what's done out of a motive of love. Mm-hmm. You, Oh, you, you're going to offer your body to be burned at the stake at the end of the week. Uh, why? And you come up with every reason but the love of God. He said, you're noble, but there's no reward. Mm-hmm. And I think God says our whole modus of operandi, uh, you read First John 4, I think 23 times he said love, God the Father, over and over. It, you know what I want to say to the audience, if you've never met this Christ, you're in for the greatest, the most serendipitous experience of your life when the Niagara Fall of God's Spirit will flood you. I don't care if you're from an alcoholic home. Young lady, I don't care if you've been abused. I don't care what your past has been. Mm. Christ is big enough to bring you. This pastor here, Paul Crandall, what the background and the pain and the sorrow he's lived through. Uh, on any other terms, he would be either in penitentiary, could have killed someone, mm. but a black brother loved him yep. in school mm. and led him to a savior, mm. changed all of his life. And it wasn't a medication. It wasn't meth. Mm. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't some party. 
Jesus is in, in the life-changing business. And that's what we want to be about. Amen. And that's what we want you to call about because we will put our arms around you Amen. and say, this is life eternal mm-hmm. to come to Christ mm-hmm. and have him flood your heart with love. Mm-hmm. I, I used to pastor a couple women in this church that had all grown up with abuse all of their younger days. The mother never intervened to rescue them. They were two of the sweetest women I ever met because they met a Savior that wouldn't hurt them. They met a Savior that could even blot out the nightmares. Mm, They met a Savior. They're married women. They're godly women. Mm. And they're not bitter women Mm. because they met a great Savior. And that is the gospel. When you encounter, or we're sorry, maybe a better term is when you're blindsided by the forgiveness of God. <laughs> there is lo- love has to come. Right John 7, you love little because you believe you what you've been forgiven little. What was Jesus telling there? You don't have many sins. No, he's telling him, you don't understand the vastness of my grace to forgive you of sin. I think the way it's hard to we look at our neighbor and say, "Well, I can't love them," or we look at our boss and say, I "Can't love them," because we're looking. We're, 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 we think that we need to be persuaded by their moral resume, and yet God is not persuaded by our moral resume. Our moral resume is a rap sheet. It's yeah. not a list of achievements. <laughs> it's a list of crimes. Yeah. And until you see the weight of what you need to be forgiven, you'll never love. You'll yeah. never be charitable until you grasp the weight of your sin. This is this is a conversation that we could go on for hours with, and we'll do as much as we can. I'm in free. The, in the time we've got, exactly. <laughs> um, but we do have to take another time out mm. and pay some bills mm. and check some traffic. We'll do that. Come back and continue our conversation here tonight on Lifeline about unity mm. and what it looks like, the foundation of it, the blessings of it, and the benefits of unity, because there are many benefits of unity. It's all straight ahead as Lifeline continues here on KFAX. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center now with another look at your commute. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. It is the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. Every fourth Friday of the month, we get to sit down with Pastor Phil Howard and just work through God's Word and hopefully, prayerfully, encourage you on your commute home or whatever you find yourself doing this evening as you tune in here on KFAX and give us a listen here on Lifeline. We're talking about unity tonight and the foundation of this unity, um, Pastor Phil, in, in love. And I, I again, I, I think of some of our listeners who are just thinking that this is foreign to them. They just, you know, I, I, they've got ought with their neighbors that, you know, s- some are, you know, driving slow because it, if, if just two extra minutes on the road before they get home to their spouse that they don't really get along with at the moment, how do you find unity in this? And, and what we're talking about may seem strange to you, but again, it is a, it, it's an, it's an alien love. I mean, if you're trying to think through this thing, and if you're trying to work through this with your own mind and your own thoughts on this, yeah, you're going to fall short every time. It is going to seem impossible. What we are talking about is going to seem foreign to you. But that requires then for you something else that's foreign, doesn't it? Yeah. And just to correct, uh, if you were taking notes, it was Luke 7. (laughs) Pastor Phil made that very clear to me. It was Luke 7. I wasn't going to say <laughs> anything. No, he showed me the Bible. He moved it across the I was, I was going to be kind, but, but... No, no, he was very kind. And you're the senior pastor here, aren't you? <laughs> but, Valley Bible. You know, I think, you know, Phil mentioned 
uh, how I received the gospel from someone you know who didn't have the share the same skin color as me, and uh, I think of that Luke seven passage, that burden of uh, of of feeling the weight of my sin. You know, when 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 Jesus very clearly says in Luke seven, not John seven, Luke seven, that the one who is forgiven little loves little. I I remember as Bobby was articulating the gospel. And I remember being so, feeling so good about my moral resume that I was a good brother, eh, a good son, someone like, a good grandson, you know, those things. But then Jesus comes on the scene in the Sermon on the Mount and says, if you have hated in your heart. Mm. And then he says, if you've lusted in your heart. And I remember being so frustrated with that standard, like throwing up my hands. Well, then who, then, then who, <laughs> this is unfair. This is like a, this is a pop quiz I didn't study for. I was thinking I was going to, to trigonometry class and I'm taking a pop quiz in U.S. history. Like there's no way I could pass the test. It's, it's completely uh, uh, unbearable. And it wasn't until the weight and the reality of, the, uh, of my sin that I realized how much I needed grace. And it's the same thing that motivates us, I think, to love our neighbor is to say, I would agree. I would almost concede with anybody who's driving right now and you're listening and you've got a list of wrongs your neighbor has done. They never take out their garbage on time. They put their trash can or their trash in your trash can. They double park. They, they always have loud parties. You could list it off and I would concede to every point. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, that makes them unlovable, but God still loves them, and God still loves you, and God didn't wait for your merits to persuade him to love you. So, if we are going to be gospel lovers and love like the Father loves, then we have to love those who don't merit it. So, if you're waiting for your neighbor to merit it, you'll never love them. But if you're waiting for merit, God would never love you either. Well, I have to say this, Paul. Uh, As you said that... I don't mind God loving them. Mm. My problem is for me to love them. Mm. You know, when you think God loved them and gave, and then he says in the church, in the Ephesians, mm. that says, by the way, I want you to be my billboard Yeah. that I can take rebels, sinners, as bad as the one you're having problems with. Guess what? I've chosen you to be my conduit. Mm. to show my kind of love, uh, to not get revenge. Uh, I think it's interesting in Ephesians 4, he said, our unity is based on, first of all, truth. And he named seven truths. Mm. One Lord, one God, Mm. God the Father, one Spirit, Mm. one baptism. And some take that a water baptism, maybe so, but I would also take it that it also a baptism that puts you in the body of Christ, right. one faith. So we've got these common beliefs, and then he starts unpackaging in the chapter. We don't go to bed with anger. Mm. Uh, we don't use our mouth to tear down someone. He's teaching us, mm. even though we've been immersed into this love, mm. Now he's teaching us the kind of ethics to survive in this kind of world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, they'll know us by our love, but that is the challenge. Because when you think of the uh, the tragedy of marriages, even among so-called believers, uh, it, one thing that we have not mentioned is he didn't just give me the Ten Commandments nor the Sermon on the Mount, but he said... To a bunch of failures, 
you guys, unless somebody supplies you power, you're going to deny me some more. Mm -hmm. You're going to bail out. We've already found out you're all cowards. Mm. You all fled me on the night of my arrest. Mm. So it's already proven that I'm investing in failing kinds of people. But the Christian life is people succeeding because they're depending on another power exactly. to act this way. Because the law of joy and peace, someone has said, is the atmosphere of heaven, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. It is. And, and I really appreciate, uh, during the last break, Paul, uh, how you how you laid it out. We, we have this idea, our, our disunity mm. oftentimes is born out of our pride. Yeah where I think that person I don't agree with mm. should be like me. Mm-hmm. And so it's a point of pride and a point of, as you said, merit. Yeah. When in reality, if you're struggling, if you're listening tonight and you're struggling with somebody, stop thinking about your own merits and how that person doesn't meet your merits. Yeah. And start thinking about the common ground you do have with them. Your sin and desperate need for grace. Amen. That was. Yeah. It's not a race. It's not a, a competition. You're not four or five laps ahead of somebody else, and you you look at those with less moral ability, you know, and then look at them and say, oh, they're just so, they're just so wrong. They're yeah. just because we're empowered by the Spirit to obey, so the Spirit gets credit for our obedience. We get yes. we get credit yes. for our dependence. Well, right. they, oh, how meritorious is that? Yeah, I get credit for my. Admitting my powerlessness. <laughs> it sounds so silly. It's like I get credit because I have a crutch. I get yeah. no. That that makes no no, no sense. sense. Just because I might you know ha- be further along on the moral landscape of things, that's because I've just had the Spirit working in me longer, and I've yielded to Him longer. But I want you to know the one who can pull you out of that. Yeah. Who can pull you out of your your sin and pull you out of the arrogance and the pride and and those things, and not just be. I think of the rebuke of the Pharisees. You go out and you teach them the law, you make them twice the son of hell. Right. Are we really just going to put on them? Achieve, achieve, achieve. You can be better. And we will look down on you if you don't. That's just arrogance. Well, we've got to take another quick time out. It's uh, top of the hour, so we're going to pay some bills, check some news, and traffic as well. Lifeline will continue in just a couple of moments. Plan on joining us, won't you? 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. If you have questions or thoughts for the for the guys tonight, it's the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. Right now, we're off to the KFAX Traffic Center for a look at your commute. 